Dear Asian Americans would like to remind you to make time for your health so you don't have to lose time for the things you love. An updated COVID vaccine restores protection that has decreased over time, including protection against severe illness, hospitalization, and the worst effects of COVID. If your last COVID vaccine or booster was before September 2022, it's time for an updated vaccine. Find updated COVID vaccines at vaccines.gov. We can do this. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hey folks, Jerry here of the Asian Americans. Be sure to wait until the end of the episode or continue listening for more information about refreshing and updating your COVID vaccines as we have some really important talking points to share with you from our wonderful friends and partners at the Department of Health and Human Services. So stick around to the other side of this episode. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Dear Asian Americans. It feels like we haven't spoken to you in a few months because we haven't spoken to you in a few months. We took a break uh, to work on a number of different projects that we are uh, working on behind the scenes, including a wonderful series of 10 episodes that we are going to launch here in what's going to be just eight days. Now, next week, we're going to launch an amazing series of 10 Asian American dreamers. And so we're really, really excited to uh, share that with you. And for those of you listening on podcast, this is the first series that we actually did over video as well. And so uh, we'll share how you can watch the podcast and watch the Asian Americans on YouTube and other wonderful places when we launch that next week. It is March. So first of all, happy Women's History Month to all of our mothers, daughters, sisters, and all the wonderful women in our lives without whom I don't get to do what I do. Patrick doesn't get to do what he does, and none of us men can do anything in life, literally and meaningfully. And so uh, shout out to all the women in our lives who uh, carry our community on your backs, carry our families on your backs. And, and a special shout out to my wife, Kyungwa, to my mom, and to my daughter, Charlotte, uh, for giving me both the ability, the privilege, and the inspiration to continue doing this work. And it is because of one of those people that I started the Asian Americans. And so on this third anniversary of Dear Asian Americans, happy fourth birthday to my dear Charlotte, uh, for whom this show is dedicated and for whom I do everything that I do. And so it is the third anniversary of our show, Dear Asian Americans. We launched this show three years ago on March 2nd, 2020, uh, not knowing what the world would turn into just a few weeks after. But I am so glad that we did this and we've been able to share wonderful meaningful Asian American stories with you all. Today, I am joined by our producer, Patrick Armstrong, and we're just going to go down memory lane, reflect a little bit on the journey that has been the last three years of the Asian Americans, what it's meant for us to be a part of this show, uh, how it has impacted our lives uh, professionally and personally across the board, and to share some insights and some previews on what is coming in what is year four of this show. Uh, I don't think I don't know if I thought that I would be able to say that, but here we are. We have wrapped up year three. We've done close to 200 episodes. Uh, we've met hundreds of you on the road through the variety of events that we've done, have met thousands of you virtually, and it's just been the greatest honor of my life to be able to share our stories collectively. And so, uh, Patrick, year three, what a, what a ridiculous thing to be able to say out loud. It does. I mean... For me, I guess it's not ridiculous because when I stumbled on the show, it seemed like it was it had a profound effect on my life. But I mean, three years is a lot, and this is a show that has 
stood the test of time done and been available and been and put out episodes that were really timely and meaningful uh especially as we've navigated the pandemic you know the rise in in violence against our community you know the show has definitely been there and been something amazing i think for a lot of people myself included um you said it too just just right before i started talking like you didn't imagine that you'd be saying oh hey it's three years like three years or i'm going working on my fourth year of this show what was your original vision? What did you What did you initially think was going to be the the runtime or the or the lifespan of this when you started? I don't know. Um, you know, I and then that's not. I still haven't figured out after three years what my initial expectations were. I think the confident side of me said, "Hey, I want to run this for a few years, turn it into a book, turn it into a documentary, sell it to Netflix." Uh, take that money, take care of my family and do wonderful things. That hasn't happened yet. Um, Netflix, if you're listening, call me. Um, but, you know, I, I think the show, the other part is I didn't really care what the show's business numbers were going to be like or the financial aspects of it like, because the reason why we did the show in the first place was to leave stories for Charlotte and her generation and even ourselves that we didn't have growing up. and. All that both, uh, I don't know, got more intense or became more meaningful um, just two short weeks after we started uh, when COVID happened and um, the desire to share Asian American stories was uh, very well received by our community and the marketplace. And perhaps, I don't want to call it a silver lining, but um, if there was ever a time for people to want to hear the stories of Asian Americans and the rich diversity and the rich complexity with which our community operates. It has been the last three years because we've been through so much. The highs and the lows, um, the lowest of lows of people being murdered for simply being born looking like us and the highest of highs of us receiving greatest honors in the entertainment stage, having the first Asian American vice president elected in their country. And, and so we've operated at the extremes and it's hard to see the positives because it's been so challenging, but to be able to have played and continue to play a small role in getting our stories out to the community. Um, who cares about the money? Mm. Um, but luckily for us or purely according to plan, uh, we also have been able to turn the podcast directly and some other businesses indirectly into profitable ventures. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that I am intentionally building this as a business, not as a nonprofit and not as a charity project, because I want to prove to all of us and to the world that we can build a profitable venture, a business venture anchored around Asian American storytelling. For far too long, we've been asked to speak for free, to share our stories for free, and to do it because the community needs it. Well, the core foundation of the success of a community in this economic system in which we exist is economic empowerment. And so I also want to prove to others that you can build a robust business and take care of your family and your community by sharing Asian American stories. I, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, I think it's important for people to understand the why. And you said when you when you started the show, it wasn't the business aspect of it. There wasn't really, it wasn't, it didn't exist yet. When did you feel like you could make that pivot and take this from, okay, I'm sharing our stories and obviously the pandemic and stuff is happening now and it's important to share the stories. But when did you realize that you could 
that you wanted to take that next step with Dear Asian Americans and approach it from that mindset? Um, really, really difficult to, I think, think back. There, there have been many. The one that still sticks to my mind was getting our first check. Mm. Um, we, as a show, got our first official paid partnership from the U.S. Census in the end of 2020. And you all just have heard me read a pre-roll ad from our friends at the Health and Human Services. What you may not know is that it actually comes from the same agency. And so Henry Hahn, who is a dear friend of mine and of the show, was a former colleague at TDW and company. And he offered us an opportunity to share the message about the census to the Asian American community through our show and gave us an opportunity to earn our first partnership dollar. That was at the end of 2020. Um, It was a $5,000 check. So in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't a whole lot. I recognize I am privileged enough to say that out loud. But at the time, it was meaningful in so many ways. Most importantly being, I literally needed the money to pay for things for us to continue to do what we do and for me not to have had to close up the show. It kept us going. And more importantly than that, in the long run, is it it gave me the validation and the confidence to know that we are a bankable show. We are a show worth sponsoring. Our first client was the U.S. government. That was pretty meaningful. And it was also meaningful in the way that we were identified by an agency that works specifically with the U.S. government to be recognized as a show that speaks to a part of the demographic that needs to be spoken to, uh, the often unspoken to demographic when it comes to messaging about important things like the census of being counted. And so I've shared this to Henry publicly and privately over the years. Uh, Thank you. And I've shared this to Tim Wang, who is the namesake and the leader of the agency and to Julie and to Gloria and to Bryce and to everybody who has uh, worked on so many different opportunities for us. Um, As you can tell, I still continue to work with them. And we are doing a lot of other things behind the scenes together as, as now friends and, and potential partners. And so um, it took one, it, it took a single $5,000 check to be able to, you know, uh, for us to exist today. Um, I, I was very, very close to throwing in the towel. For folks who are new to the show, I did 50 episodes in the first 100 days, and I did 100 episodes in the first year. And so I did an episode on average every three and a half days, two a week. That's exhausting. That takes a lot (laughs) of, I don't remember. I can't do that anymore. Um, But, you know, 2020 was a weird year. We were all home. We had a lot of time. People wanted to get their stories out. And, uh, you know, we weren't necessarily too concerned about making money at the time. You know, but since then, uh, we've continued our work with, you know, TDW. We've done more census things. Uh, We have worked with Health and Human Services. And we have worked with McDonald's and Penguin Random House and Focus Features and Genesis and gotten to interview the vice president. And as a spoiler for what's coming next week, we are doing something with Toyota. And to be able to say that out loud still sort of um, uh, shakes me inside. But, you know, I also have to be objectively cognizant of the fact that we have built something that the community needed, but also that the business community saw value in. And so very proud of that. But 
Henry, Tim, I love you guys. Thank you. And uh, thank you. That's all I will say for a long, long time. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I think we talked about it when we did our reflection in the new year about how um, how important, I guess, the community, the community aspects of these things are. And I think that... I think something that's really interesting to me is thinking about in that late 2020, when you got that first check, it being specifically a project to work with the government, the census, and then thinking about drawing that moment where you, where you just said, you know, you're close to potentially throwing in the towel to then at the end of last year, interviewing, like you said, the vice president, the first Asian American vice president of the United States. And there's like this through line of coming back to not just doing partnering with the government in some way to like to promote the efficacy of the vaccines or to talk about the census, the importance of voting. You know, it's all these things. But I think the the through line for me is the fact that not only are you amplifying the voices of our community, but that the show itself has become, in a way, a voice for the community to rally us together. Um, did you have an idea that that was what the show would do uh, when you were going? Because I think you have these two highlight moments of like, you get your first check, you interview the vice president. There's so much that happened in between those two moments that led you from there to there. But was that something that was in your mind? Like, this is not only going to be a way to, sh to share stories, but it's going to be a way that the community, this is going to be something the community can rally around. I don't know, because I had no idea when I started the show three years ago, what the hell we would go through. And, and we've been through a lot. Um, we've been through a lot of pain. We've been through a lot of collective grieving, but also collective celebration. I had ambitions that we would be and I don't know if we are, um, the premier destination for Asian-American storytelling. We have had some notable people on the show. Uh, we've also had regular people like my cousin, Andy, that nobody knows outside of our family. To me, it's important. It was important, still is important to be able to balance the stories that we are familiar with or the stories of people we are familiar with and those whose stories seem so normal because every story is, is relatable. Um, in, in terms of, you know, I, I think from an ambition perspective and from an ego perspective, you know, sure. I think there was thoughts of like, Hey, I want this to be something that really helps the community and, you know, trying to balance that with other people's stories, but also me hosting, you know, these, these are mm -hmm. things that I continue to struggle with. I understand that I have been synonymous with our show name. And even though we had an attempt two years ago to bring in some guest hosts and to sort of, you know, pivot the show in a different way, we can't come back to me hosting it. I also recognize that because we are not a monolith, that my show cannot be the ultimate Asian American show for everybody. There are people who believe that this show does not represent them. Hell, there are people who leave fun comments on Apple saying the host talks too much. Well, sorry, this is my show. So if you think I talk too much, go <laughs> listen to something else. I, and I think it's just a continued lesson in sharing stories of our community. I think the show itself has become a story of the community to reflect the complex diversity 
and almost the impossibility of sharing Asian American stories exhaustively. I think we live in the balance of exhaustive representation versus sufficient representation. When do we feel like we have told all the Asian American stories? We don't. Mm. We can't. Do we need to check off every country for us to say yes? Do we need to check off every religion to say yes? I, I don't know. Um, do we play the proportion game and look at the census and to say like, hey, we've done, we've covered 90% of the Asian diaspora. Check. I, I don't know. And I think that is really the lessons that I continue to learn as I reflect on the, you know, the, the meaning of what this show has meant for a lot of other people. I still remember getting emails, unsolicited emails and DMs, particularly in the early days of the show, of people saying, thank you for creating this show because it was perhaps for the first time they saw themselves in these stories. I mean, hell, Patrick, that's how you and I met mm. um, of, of these shows that got me to cry but also got me to not ever consider giving up on this show. And so living at the intersection of impact and income and community and cash flow has, has been my journey that I don't often share on the show um, unless we're doing one of these reflection shows, because that's not what the show is about. But, um, you know, as, as we sit here on on the third anniversary of the show, you know, uh, I want folks to understand that I have been able to, with your support and with a lot of people's support, turned Asian American storytelling into a business that's been able to take care of my family and, and, and that's also been able to spawn itself into other businesses. I do a lot of speaking and a lot of people know me because of the show. People find me because of the show. They listen to the show. It's spawned off into different businesses in the creator space and relationships galore. Obviously being invited to the vice president's residence to do that was a life changing and sort of career defining moment. And so, you know, I think when you start something like this to, to wrap it all up, you have your, I know I'm going to accomplish these things. I would like to accomplish these things. And these are things that would just make it. Wow. Unbelievable. How we navigate those things from an ego and humility perspective, I think, is an ongoing journey. Sure, I'd like to think that when I started this show, I didn't know. Well, I'll put it this way. Once I think the Biden-Kamala ticket got elected, I said, she's on the list. Mm. I don't care how we do it, but I got to talk to her. And it happened. But there's a lot that goes between that moment to finally getting the opportunity to do so. But yeah, you know, again, does that, does me interviewing her like, solve racism in this country no <laughs> like are we done now uh no there's a lot of work to be done but it is a part of the process of continuing to tell our stories and i, I guess I'll, one final comment on the impact i know for a fact that many of you have decided to start your own shows because of this and and that to me is is the uh the greatest honor that's a huge honor i mean I didn't start my show because of the show. It was more because you suggested that we start a show. Uh, but definitely, definitely along those lines, you mentioned like the speaking opportunities and the other business opportunities that have spun out of the show. 
What's something or is there something that's happened because of the show that you didn't plan or weren't really expecting that caught you by surprise? Everything. Um, <laughs> again, I, you know, it's weird because sure, sure, sure. there, there's nobody is fully humbled and nobody is fully egotistical. I, we're all somewhere in the gray. Again, I think there are moments where things happen and it's both of these feelings of, holy crap, I can't believe it's happening. And then there's a validation of, no, I'm not really surprised. Like I worked hard, I did what I did, and and it's manifested. Um, a couple of those things include being invited to the White House, getting brand deals with brands like McDonald's, like Genesis, and like Toyota. There are moments of, holy crap! Like, you know, this imposter syndrome still at the level that I'm operating at, saying. I can't believe I just made this happen. And then mostly through other people, family and friends saying, why are you surprised? Like you should expect these great things to happen. Mm. I never want to get to a point where I fully expect these things to happen and get upset when they don't. Cause I am still uh, genuinely uh, blown away and I get quite emotional every time I think about what we've done. But a lot of it is just on, on, on the things that I've been able to participate in. Uh, the things that I've been able to do and, and and the people that I've gotten to meet over the years. You know, again, I think 2020 is a distant memory away, but we we all hung out on the internet 20 hours a day. We listened to podcasts and watched YouTube videos and lived on Facebook groups exclusively. And a lot of great friendships have, you know, uh, come from those days. And a lot of it, a lot of those people are helping me build this business now. Yeah, I think it's, again, coming back to that theme of community, like I think there's so much that comes out of the show that just takes me right back to that. And especially for me, you know, it's just like it 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 was my first foray into what it meant to be Asian American and, and trying to define that for myself. And, you know, that's something that I will always carry. Um, speaking of themes, though, I went back and listened to the first episode in preparation for recording this episode. And I think one of those themes that is always carried, and I love that you started the episode, this particular episode this way, is by giving that big resounding shout out and love to your family, specifically your wife, specifically your daughter. I think if for people that have been here for, you know, the near 200 episodes now, they've heard this similar theme of family for you specifically, why you do the show, why you chase these big dreams um, with what you can accomplish with the show. You even just talked about it. Your family and friends tell you you should expect these great things to happen. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that really, really sticks with me uh, as I think about Dear Asian Americans over this last three years. For you, as the host of the show, as somebody who took a, a leap and had that support of your family, what have you learned over these last three years as a father and a husband and a member of your family through the the execution and the life of the show they are both the reason i do what i do and the reason i get to do what i do and I, i've shared this bit on the show often um like my wife carried us financially during the times where i wasn't making any money she'll tell you that she'll feel like i didn't really give her a choice and said this is what i'm doing and i need to do this it's complicated, right? 2020 was a year where people weren't hiring. I was still in unemployment, uh, student loans paused, daycares closed. Financially, it was a weird time. We had just become parents of two. We both went to grad school. 
that carries some financial burden. And I said, I am gung-ho on making Asian-American storytelling a profitable business, something that nobody, not nobody, very few people had done, uh, especially in the podcast space. And so, uh, and, and the reason why I get to do it is for, for my kids and for ourselves or each other, practically, I am able to be present for my kids doing drop-offs and activities. My, my latest job title is head coach of the single A Rockies on my son's little league team. Things that I think growing up, I played little league growing up in the city called Fullerton, which is a lot of Korean kids. We didn't have a single Korean coach. All the coaches were white. All the team parents were white. And so, you know, I said then, and maybe I didn't say that. Maybe I just thought it. I was like, hey, it'd be really cool for me to be that guy for my kids. Not only for my kids, but for other kids to see people who look like us in those positions of influence and leadership in the community. I get to do all that stuff. And so, you know, one kid was sick last week, the other is sick this week. And so I've been able to, without asking for permission for anybody, to be able to shift my schedule to be able to be present for my kids. And, and that's something that I don't think is as easy if you work with somebody else. That's the practical stuff. Um, and being able to provide for them financially so that we can have them do the activities like baseball, which again, comes with some privilege. The, the other part, obviously, is to create a dialogue that makes this world, in our country and our communities in particular, genuinely a, a safer place for them to exist. And, and I think the, the tone that has changed, unfortunately, is when we started this journey, it was about just making this a place where our kids could potentially have more economic opportunity mm. to, face less, to face less racism at work, to be able to be accepted for who they are. The tone of that conversation has changed to literally, will our parents make it home tonight? Will we make it home tonight? And yet, life goes on. And so, I, I, I don't know uh, for whom I do this anymore. It has been, I, 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 you know, again, just humbled when people say, man, your show's been so meaningful. It's wonderful. Thank you. I, I take all that. But this has been, I have been the, the biggest beneficiary and my family has been the biggest beneficiary, not even from a financial perspective, but from what it has allowed us to do and to be able to, you know, share with the world. And so, yeah. And, you know, I, I think family's complicated. There's still a lot of stuff I don't talk to my parents about. There's things that I still don't know what I want to talk to my kids about. How do you explain all this stuff in the world to a six and a four-year-old? I don't know. Um, but but I hope that we are able to open some doors and to loosen some wedges that have been placed in between our families, our friends, even our inter-Asian diaspora, the intra-Asian diaspora that exists that makes it so complicated to talk about some of this stuff. And again, I, I'll say this forever and ever. I am one of about 23 million voices in this country. I am one of about 4 billion Asians on planet Earth. I am just one. But I have created a space where we can invite other people to share their stories. So yeah, I mean, really, shout out to Kyungwa, shout out to my mom, shout out to Charlotte. I, literally, the show does not exist without them. They, you know, so hopefully we get to continue to celebrate, you know, many, many birthdays, both of the Asian Americans and for Charlotte as, as you know, she gets older and one day realizes what the hell Appa does all day in his office. <laughs> I love that answer, and I appreciate you sharing that. And for the listener at home, 
I want to just point out that each of these questions that I've asked you, uh, Jerry, I feel like the bookend answers have been, I don't know. And then you provide a lot of context as to why <laughs> that is. And I think that's really important. And I think what you said right there at the end about you being one voice of 23 million people or within the intra-Asian diaspora of 23 million, you know, I think is really important because even what you do with the show, even all the voices that you bring on, I think you, I think it's very clear that we are, it's each of our individual voices that makes up this diaspora, this community, who we are, uh, Asian people. And at the end of the day, that's so important because like you said, like for our children, you know, the people that are coming in behind us, the generations that are coming up and are going to inherit this world, it's important for them to see as many in here and, and listen to and learn from as many stories as is possible. And I think the show has continued to do that. And, you know, we talk about a lot of things like changing over the last three years. Another thing that I thought was interesting in that first episode with guest Jonathan Wong was that at the end of the episode, before the Dear Asian Americans letter, you asked him to define or or to describe what it means to be Asian American. You asked him, what did that mean to him? And so I wanted to ask, I wanted to turn that question to you and ask you, what does it mean for Jerry Wan to be Asian American? And has that changed over the life of the show? It has changed. I have learned a lot from doing this, talking to, I don't know, a couple hundred people um, on air, uh, hundreds more off air. I, the answer is the same, which is I don't know, but it's for a very different reason. Because <laughs> I don't know how our kids are going to define it. And I think that's beautiful. I think we, in a very short three years, um, have redefined it quite a bit for ourselves. What I mean by that is I think many of us are very proud of the country that we come from, the specific culture that we represent, and the customs that we grew up with, the language, the food. And then for me, I am a very, very proud Korean person how we have also adopted this new broader identity of Asian American and have, I don't know, um, broadened our perspective, what it means to be us, I, I think is, is a wonderful thing. I know it's not easy. It's complex. I've said this on the show often. My, all four of my grandparents were born, and then yours too, likely, Patrick, were born under Japanese occupation about a century ago. It's, it's not easy to think about that when it comes to identity. There are still countries who fight with each other, uh, make life miserable, who don't think of each other as equal. And yet, as the 23 million person community here in America, we are almost expected to behave and move as one. And I hate to say it, bluntly put, it's, it's a matter of survival at this point to be able to collectively be louder. Because if we were to be just the Koreans, we're like 2 million out of 300 and something, right? So like we're less than a percent. And so how we collectively make our voices larger has been the Asian American story. How we put us out our differences of language, culture, and our own unique histories to be able to fight for the collective good has been the challenge and is the opportunity. Our communities also be uh, or we look different, inter-ethnic marriages, inter-racial marriages, children that are mixed ethnicity, mixed race, 
of becoming more accepting of different gender identities and the intersection of all of these things will force us to continue to redefine what it means to be Asian American. And so we've also been very fortunate to have much, much smarter people than I about demographic changes like Neo Ruiz from Pew and from other people who do this work. And what's exciting is that I think we are now our generation, and I hope we can give up this culturally staunch expectation of us gatekeeping what anything means that elders know better and that we are bound by traditions and to let our kids and our grandkids decide for themselves fully what it means to be Asian American. I have a very different definition of that word than my dad does. And I'm sure that my two kids will have a very different definition as your kids will Patrick and other kids. And who the hell are we to tell them to define anything? And so the answer is, I don't know, but I am optimistic. Um, I am also optimistic that we continue to have conversations with our allies, with our friends who are learning things about our own history that we didn't learn in school, that we are teaching each other these things offline. And yet we are still continuing to see good movements at state levels of incorporating Asian American history into the curriculum. And so to, to be able to have had the opportunity to uplift many of these voices here on the show and to perhaps speak to non-Asian Americans who also listen to the show. We don't create this show for anybody else than our community members, but we're also humbled by the fact that people are coming here to listen to conversations amongst us that isn't really shared outside. And so we will continue to evolve. And I hope that it is done in a positive way, that it is not more divisive than it already has been. You know, I'll share sort of this moment that I had recently, a couple months ago. Um, you know, I, I, again, was very humbled to be invited to the White House for the Lunar New Year's celebration. And how do you celebrate Lunar? It's, some people still call it Chinese New Year, but we celebrate it, the Koreans do, the Vietnamese do, other people do. And so a lot of the visual elements of how the White House was decorated was predominantly Chinese leading. A lot of the other components of the celebration was predominantly Chinese leading. The big celebration or the big star of the show was the lion dance, uh, which was done by the Wan Choi Lions out of Northern Virginia. That's not a Korean thing. I don't know if I would have felt the connection or the emotion or the pride of me feeling represented by watching a Chinese lion dance two years ago, five years ago. But that day I did, sitting at the White House in my humble, rolling with a dozen other folks who decided to dress up in our traditional Korean garb and to watch a ch uh, traditional Chinese lion dance. I felt like I was being represented. That's evolution. I don't know how other people are processing all these things. And many are people are probably saying, that's not my Japanese thing. That's not my Thai thing. That's okay. But how are we going to define what our, what our community means? And so I, I think, you know, what I, what I am hopeful for, and I think I've played a small role in, in helping facilitate these conversations, is to be able to open the dialogue to help even us challenge and continue to redefine what our identity means in current America and future America.
I like that. Challenge and redefine. And two, thank you for sharing that anecdote. I hadn't heard you talk about that before. Uh, I really, really like that. And then three, I think, again, while this show is by us, for us, it is very humbling. And it is also, I think, maybe necessary for people outside of our community to be able to listen to this. And I think that's another testament to the show is that this is now a chronicling of a lot of different conversations, a lot of different identities, a lot of different intersectionalities within our community that will live on in the ether forever for people to be able to go and learn from, to experience and to to build empathy through these types of conversations. I think that's incredible. And I think it's really hard to top that answer that you just gave to that last question. I thought that was amazing. Um, before we move to the future and like where we're where the show is going, um, maybe even teasing out some of the stuff that's about to happen here in the next couple of weeks. Any other reflections that you have on this first three years of Dear Asian Americans? Everything and nothing at all. I it's 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 been incredible, and I want to just share with folks. It feels like it's been forever, but three years is a actually a quite short time to have built something that objectively uh, has impacted a lot of people. So wherever you are in life and whatever idea that you have, I want you to think in the macro to think about the impact that you can have if you keep doing that same thing every day for three years, not just three days or not just three weeks. I... Three and a half years ago, I had just been fired. I was on unemployment trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I, all on the core tenets of storytelling, being a powerful and profitable tool, um, have built multiple businesses that now take care of my family. Again, I carry a lot of privilege. I, I get that. But if you're listening to this show for inspiration from the stories of other people, please also not just hear the stories, but observe what I have done and what other people have done to center our community and still build businesses. And maybe some of you are thinking, why does he keep talking about money? Because in this system that we exist in, there's few more powerful things than economic empowerment. When I talk about doing partnerships with people like McDonald's, or the government, or Genesis, and, and now very soon Toyota. I am tangibly able to take money from those companies and to pay people who are our videographers, our photographers, the restaurants that we go out to eat at, our event planners, our everything. Uh, most of the money that flows out of our company goes to community members. And so we are directly transferring and have the great honor of being a conduit of money that flows from Wall Street back into the very small businesses that make up Asian America. That's the business model. Uh, that is what I want people to see that we actually do on this show and, and our company, that we hopefully are building confidence, uh, power, and cash flow to very small Asian American businesses that may never get McDonald's money. I just think about it for a second. How else does McDonald's money flow into the local Korean restaurants in Los Angeles? We have to do that. 
those of us who are lucky enough to do that have to do that. And so that's what we get to do. You know, just recently, and, and we're still, we did two in January, we'll do another one, you know, uh, where we work with Toyota on doing a bunch of night markets. How do we, how does that happen? How do we take, you know, with the help of a partner like Toyota, how do we put money into the small businesses that make snacks and beef jerky and candles and jewelry? We have to do it. We have to be the first ones to financially support our friends and community members who start these businesses. And so maybe that's the other part of the equation that I reflect on from an impact perspective that we've been able to support other Asian American businesses get their shine by having them as guests on this show. Uh, We've now hosted six night markets across the country. We're hosting a big seventh one in Austin next Sunday. And there's a lot of other things that we've been able to do. But um, if if you listen to the show, you know where my points of view on social issues are. But at the same time, economic empowerment through business opportunities is really one of the strongest ways that I think we can build power and safety in our country for the community. And so keep on doing what you're doing. And, you know, if, if you, I don't know, there, there's far more people that are going to help you. I guess I have one more thought. And I know uh, maybe this is getting a little long and saying, well, again, leave, don't please don't leave an app review saying Jerry talks too much. It is my show after all. Constructive criticism only, please. Not well, I'll say just one thing. outright bashful hating. Like, no, and, it just doesn't, it doesn't do anything. And, and listen, and, and if you are the person that left that comment, I mean, thank you for spending time to share your thoughts. But a better way would have been to email me or to DM me and to not leave that on public record if you actually genuinely cared about the quality of the show and, and wanted to help me. Because if you leave negativity in public, that fuels other negativity. And at some point, I feel like you're taking economic opportunity away from my family simply because you wanted to share your opinion. And so with that being said, I have also come to realize, and I think we all do, that when we start projects like this, as I started three years ago, that we believe that we are going to get our greatest level of support and all the cheerleading from the people that are closest to us. That is not true. That has never been true. And that is probably not going to be true for you. I'm sorry to break it to you if you thought that your high school homies are going to be the ones to elevate your business. Unlikely. Why? They may not be your audience. And that was certainly the case for me. You know, I started the show less than three years after uh, being removed from business school, from a career in consulting, from having friends who have very, very different objectives in life. I have come to realize that the people who have been my biggest allies, my biggest supporters, people who just refer me business and give me economic opportunity are all largely friends that I met in the last three years. People who see me in the vision that I am creating, people who see me as a creator, people who see me as a community builder, because we like to see people in the ways that we met them. And sometimes, unfortunately, we're conditioned to think of them in the ways that we want to see them. And so if you saw me as a friend that we just used to watch a lot of sports and drink with, or to do other stuff with, or you just saw me as a corporate person, then what does this storytelling stuff actually do? We're not going to get support from them. And that's okay. You just have to continue to dig and to continue to provide value until you find your people. 
because your people exist, your people are there. I have been the beneficiary of so much support and love from my people that I have found through the years. And now I'm fortunate enough to be able to pass it on to other people. And so that's the other reflection. The community is big and there's a lot of people. Um, there, there's really far too many to name. Um, but friends who I met in the last three years who, who know the work that I've put in and have seen the impact are calling me still and saying, I'm bringing you in to speak at my company. I am referring you for this. How do you need help? There are people who I've known in my past life through business school who are helping me. I'm not taking that away. And I mean, there's so many there too, but it is not at the rate that I thought I would. It is not at the, the ROI of energy wasn't necessarily there. And so if you are fortunate enough to get all the love and support while you start your ventures from your immediate primary circle, count your blessings. Not all of us get that. So keep, keep on, you know, keep on creating. I was going to say always be creating, which is a name of our other business. Um, they don't want to sound too much like an infomercial. Um, just just keep going until you, you find it and, and ask for help along the way. I think that's great advice. Absolutely great advice. Again, back to that community aspect and knowing that there are, is, like you said, a different, probably a different audience out there for you for the work that you want to do than your immediate circle. Um, I'll say when we started the John Chi Show, I shared it with all of my immediate circle. And I think everybody maybe listened once and never listened again. Mm -hmm. So, but it was like, but that wasn't the audience. It's great if they do listen, if they still listen. But, you know, we, the people we were trying to reach shared a different identity, came from a different place and were people just like my co-hosts at that time that I had never met before. And that's the power of community. Again, for me, the power of this particular show, Dear Asian Americans, to not only bring me together and find or allow me and help me to find my place in the community, but also to start to willingly engage and then build and facilitate and grow that over the course of, you know, now two and a half, three years. So really appreciate you sharing that. Really appreciate all the work that you've done to, again, pass down and pass through these types of opportunities to other folks. Um, looking ahead. What's on the horizon? We teased it a little bit. There's a night market coming up in Austin. There's other events probably happening here in the future. What's next for Dear Asian Americans? What do you see for year four? I'll go back to my answer, man. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest. This, you know, it's a lot of work. I, I do want to incorporate live video. I do want to explore the idea of building an in-person studio in Los Angeles to create video content and to bring people in for conversations. We are launching our 10-episode series of Toyota next week, all throughout March. That's going to be wonderful. We've been in conversation with foundations and other partners who really see us as a tool to share and amplify Asian American stories. And so it's a beautiful, I don't know. Often, I think as an entrepreneur, you have two convictions. You know you're going to be successful and you know you're going to make money. And at the exact same time, you have no idea exactly how you're going to do it. You have the greater vision and you have belief in yourself. And the exact smaller details actually don't matter. And so that, that's the way I view this show. I will continue. It has become uh, something that has been inseparable from my identity and, and a joy that brings me so much. Grateful for you, before you, KJ, Jay Tran, Allison Chang, Tammy, who made our new logo, Jason, who made our original logo. This has been a, a team project. I know I am the face and the voice of it, but... How we dictate our future, I don't know. 
and I'll end the way we started. Netflix, if you're listening, call me. Let's let's Netflix. license this baby. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, that's all that I have. I appreciate you letting me do this. I appreciate you giving me the opportunities that you have and allowing me to work on the show with you. You know how much it's meant to my life and how much you have meant to my journey. So I just really appreciate it. And because this is not my show, I'm going to hand the mic back to you. I feel like I've over-talked and let you close it out on this three-year reflection. Also, don't leave any comments on Apple saying Patrick talks too much. Uh, <laughs> this is a podcast, people. If you listen because, yeah. No, I for It all goes back to the same thing. I, I think it's equal parts gratitude, humility, and celebration. Um, objectively, we built something over the last three years that... Um, have, have uh damn it uh it took me 50 minutes to get super emotional um objectively we have built something that has brought great joy and great perspective uh, and pride to our community i i am humbled by that every day and it's only because of people like you listen who send us your support uh through so many ways it's through our sponsors who make this financially possible it is through the guests who bravely come and share their stories, many of which have never been told before. It is because of my family and particularly my wife, Kyung-wa, who has allowed me to chase this vile dream of chasing American, Asian American stories. It, it is through the countless of countless other people who simply like, listen, share, and, and encourage us to continue and to uh, make space in their own way, in their organizations, to have Asian American stories be told perhaps for the first time ever. And so I, I carry that honor seriously. I carry that with humility, but also objectively knowing that we're doing something awesome here and three years down. And then to be honest, as, as we were coming up on the three year, um, Patrick knows this, I, I've been so swamped with other things that we are doing uh, that I have not had much chance to sit here and think about what it has meant to uh, have done this for three years. And yeah, we've taken a couple weeks break and we've been off for the last two years, but hell, it's three years, it's three years. Um, and uh, we'll make it all up. We're doing 11 episodes in March. And so get ready for that. And continue to support other folks too. I, I am now in a category of an established podcast and a, and a regular voice. There are people who are just getting their show started and they may not sound like this. They may not have structure. Their graphics not might like good, but you got to give it a chance. You got to support the little people. Patrick mentioned he went back and listened to it, episode one. You got to give people's episode one a chance before they can get to the three-year mark. And so, uh, Pat, thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And in particular, thanks to HHS for making this episode possible, to TDW behind the scenes for making this all of this possible. And so, as we always say, Stay happy, healthy, and safe. We will see you next Tuesday for a wonderful conversation talking about representation in media. That is with our friends at Nielsen. And then next Friday, starting on March 10th, we're kicking off with Nora Ali and nine other amazing Asian American dreamers who are continuing and have chased their Asian American dreams, redefining what it means to be an Asian American in this country successfully and proudly. And that is thanks to our friends at Toyota. And so thanks, everybody. Stick around here in a little bit. I'm going to share with you some facts and tips about how you can refresh and continue to stay safe. And so 
Thanks, everybody. All right. So I think most of us are pretty much on the same page. COVID is not as important or top of mind as it was once for us. I jump on planes a lot and I also catch myself not masking all the time, although I do see other people doing so. We don't wash our hands as often or as obsessively as we used to. Maybe we don't carry around hand sanitizers as much as we do. Certainly, I don't see my kids being required to mask at their schools, which does bring some relief as a parent. But, you know, it is still dangerous and it is still impacting people in our healthcare system, particularly as, even as we sit here in March, uh, frigid temperatures and cold everywhere, even here in California. We want to just remind folks with a message from our friends at Health and Human Services that you still should get vaccinated if you haven't, number one. And even if you had, if it's been about six months, talk to your doctor, consider getting those vaccines refreshed. I think the supply of vaccines are in a much better spot. The availability is in a much better spot. And whether it is for short-term symptom relief or long-term relief of catching long COVID, you should get your vaccines refreshed. The American Medical Association says 96% of doctors have been vaccinated against COVID. I don't know about the 4% because they all went to med school too, but come on, y'all. But 96 is a pretty damn good percentage. So we trust the people who are smart enough, who have studied this stuff. It's been proven over and over again that getting vaccinated will help you avoid COVID to uh, go through it without as much pain or discomfort, and also to help you with long-term COVID things. And so it's for prevention. It's for ease of symptom treatment, and also it is to prevent long-term effect on our health. And we still have no idea what the long-term health actually means. And so I know we haven't done conversations about vaccines in a long, long time, but listen, anybody over six months should be considered. Talk to your doctor. It's still free for the vast majority of us out there. We've got a lot of choice, a lot more data that's coming out. And amidst all the things that we are still worried about, it's the one thing that I think we can do to prevent an unavoidable illness or, or death. And so, again, the, the magic date here as we sit here in March 2023 is if you the last time you got your vaccine was September 2022, go talk to your doctor, not Instagram, not TikTok, not YouTube, not a podcast. I realize I'm saying this. I'm telling you to go talk to a doctor. Talk to your doctor and do what she or he is recommending that is best for your health because they know best. So that's the message. Get out there. There's a lot of things that are out of our control. This is certainly within our control. And so again, as, as you sit here on the third anniversary of the show, from what maybe we don't have clear memory of it, but three years ago, we were in a very, very scary place. We were afraid to walk out our door. We were afraid to wave at people. I don't know why we didn't start masking right away. They just told us to wash our hands 50 times a day. That was silly. But one, we know better. And two, now we have stuff. Imagine how different we would have managed COVID and the countless lives lost we would have avoided and the amount of pain that we didn't have to suffer had we had the vaccines to help us manage this. And now we do. And so we got we to consider it. We got to do what's right for us. Go talk to your doctors, your pharmacists, your nurses, people who study this stuff, people who are experts, and get vaccinated. It is safe for you. It is safe for us. Again, big thanks to Health and Human Services who have uh, supported us in this show, who bring you this message. And in particular, as, as a personal note, 
to our friends at TDW who have connected us and allow us to continue to do this very, very important work of informing our Asian American community on very important topics like vaccines. Thanks, everybody. I am your host, Jerry Wan of the Asian Americans, and I will see you next Tuesday.